it's Christmas time and I'm still kind of fixated on the question, you know, why did we need Jesus? Why did Jesus need to come? And why do we need Jesus now? You know, we needed Jesus to be born into this world, first of all, to remove the curse of sin and death, second, to reconcile us to God, and thirdly, to demonstrate for us just how to crush Satan under our own feet by following Jesus' example of obedience. And today, I want to dig deeper into the issue of man's relationship with God, right? From the Garden of Eden to the cross, specifically how God dealt with guilt and shame, which manifested itself in in man's awareness of his nakedness. (laughs) I hope that is captivating to you as we dig in here in Genesis chapter 3. Verses 20 to 24. Back to the garden. And the word of God reads like this. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life to eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And so he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the doing of his word. The triune God says, behold, like, look, man has become like one of us, right? That's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune God, to know good and evil. Man was made in God's image and likeness. We see that in Genesis 1, verses 26 to 27, Genesis 5, verses 1 to 2. Satan deceived Eve by tempting her to doubt the fact that she was made in God's image and likeness. We read that in in Genesis 3 verse 5. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. To know good and evil, that word know, is the same It's the Hebrew yada. It's the same as knowing, as Adam knowing Eve intimately in Genesis 4 verse 1. To intimately know good and evil. The issue here is not being like God, but being a broken imager of God by virtue of personal intimate knowledge of evil learned through disobedience. God was not going to allow sinful man to live forever in that in that condition, in that broken condition, in a broken relationship with God because of disobedience. And so he drove them out of the garden of Eden and he put a cherubim, which is like this terrifying winged creature of God guarding the tree of life with a flaming sword. That must have looked awesome. And It's not just one because it's cherubim, that's plural. And so there are mighty winged creatures 
resembling a mix of a man, an ox, a lion, and an eagle. I mean, how terrifying it, it w- would have been, you know, will be for us to see anything like that. But how shameful for man. How shameful for Adam and Eve. But look at how God dealt with their shame. I mean, going back to verse 21. For Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and he clothed them. Remember in verses 7 through 10 when Adam and Eve sinned and they knew that they were naked? I mean, because God sees everything. And their sinful inclination was to cover themselves. It says in verse 7, they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. They tried to to cover up their own shame that they just felt now that they had this sin in their life. The word coverings there in Hebrew is sometimes translated as girdle, belt, armor. Not necessarily covering their reproductive parts only. And, And so... It's important to know that we cannot effectively cover our sins. I like the way Dave Guzik put it. He said it best. The world's oldest profession is not prostitution, but the clothing business. (laughs) Right? Not to be cute here, but covering our sin. God, in turn, covered them with animal skins. And this infers animal sacrifice, right? The death of a sinless creature spilled its blood, gave its life, instead of Adam and Eve spilling their blood and giving their lives as punishment for their sin, for their offense. And this is where we get the concept of atonement, which means a covering. God doesn't just want to cover our sins. He wants to wash away and remove sin from us. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says something very interesting. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your sins. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It is, this is me speaking now, you know, it is the blood of an animal that did nothing wrong, that dies for the wrongs that we've done, and it's the the blood of that animal that makes atonement for the soul. When we see that creature giving its life and shedding its blood, and God apparently takes these animals and takes their coverings, their skins, and covers Adam and Eve there in the garden because their coverings, what they made in their fig leaves, it wasn't that they weren't fashionable enough. It, you can't, you know, fig leaves won't die. They won't produce blood. They can't produce the kind of covering, the kind of effect on Adam and Eve's soul that would cause them to think the next time they're tempted to sin. Animal sacrifice was a way of, it was just a way of life for humans since the fall. And eventually God would provide shadows and symbols to Israel of what he really had in mind until Jesus came to bring all of that into realization. While the Levites offered up daily sacrifices to the Lord, there was actually one day a year 
when Levites were allowed to go into not just the holy place, but into the holy of holies. It's like that room within a room where the ark would be and the presence of God would be. And it was called the Day of Atonement. When they would, the priest would go in and stand before God's presence. And the priest would, you know, take a bull, which would be a sin offering, right, for the priest and his family, because he had to be in right relationship with God first. He had to be covered. And then he would take a ram offered up as a burnt offering. And then there would be two goats involved. One goat would be one for the Lord, and one would be the scapegoat. This is where we get the, the idea of the scapegoat. Because he would take the blood of, of that animal there and sprinkle it seven times on the mercy seat, which is like the lid on top of the ark on, on, on which those two shapes of cherubim would be, right? Of the cherubs would be. And he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat between those cherubs, right? The cherubim, that's where God's presence would be. And he would confess the sin of the people on both goats. And one of the goats would be taken as the scapegoat, right? Would be taken out to the wilderness by a good man, a person that was deemed as being worthy of that task, to an uninhabitable land, to a land where nobody lived, right? And the other goat would be offered up to the Lord. It's like the sin would be transferred from the people to the animals, and one would be burnt, like burn up, and another one would be just taken to a land that that no one lived. And then it was declared after that that there would be a Sabbath day of solemn rest. And this is all Leviticus chapter 16. You can find that, uh, the solemn rest there in verses 30 to 31. And then you have the atonement. They would have atonement for all their sins on the day of atonement. It was like the one time of year where everybody's sins, the nation of Israel, would be covered. But this had to happen every year. And then daily there were sacrifices. But on that one day, you see, you know, so much symbolism. Where we see, like Jesus, who, you know, has our sins transferred to him and goes to the cross and is, you know... It, it appears to me that he goes to to the prison, right, to the perhaps the depths of hell to preach the gospel to the people or at least preaches the gospel to those who are in that waiting place to be brought with him. As Paul said in, in Ephesus or the Ephesians chapter 4, you know, that when he ascended on high, he he led captivity captive. He brought those who were who had died and whose souls were there in Abraham's bosom, and he, he took them to be with him. And we see that the you know the father apparently turning his head away from Jesus when he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" As if he was left all alone. He was representing you and me on the cross, and from that we have the rest. We have Sabbath in Christ, not just a day. Because I think we we should do our best to observe rest and Sabbath on Saturday to just to take that time as God's designed us to to recharge and refresh and rest in Him. But Jesus is our Sabbath, and we should enter into Him and receive rest from Him as often as we can every day. 
But it's in him that we have atonement for all of our sins. And not just atonement, but he's washed our sins away, as we see in 1 John 1, 9. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. I wanted to look at Hebrews before we close here. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning at verse 23. It was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. When he says these, the author of Hebrews is referring to just all the sacrifices and washings and priesthood and everything. It was necessary, right? That the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then... Would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away our sins. We see that what happened there in the Jewish temple... And in the Day of Atonement was all symbolic of Jesus being the high priest, going in to the presence of the Father on our behalf. That Jesus was the sacrifice. He was the Lamb. He was the Lamb that was offered up for our sins. He was the Lamb that was taken away and seemed to have died alone on our behalf, separated from God and from God's people. That Jesus is our Sabbath once and for all. As the scripture says, by this one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, set apart. So, again, why did we need Jesus? Why did Jesus have to be born? We needed Jesus to atone for our sins. Only the blood of Jesus can cover our sins and and wash our sins away. His death satisfies our death penalty. Second, we we needed Jesus to remove our sins. He died for us, right? Crucified at Calvary outside the city. First John 1 9, it says. Then again, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thirdly, we needed Jesus that we may be born again. As believers, you know, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to remind us of God's presence. Right? And of his promises and of his truths. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us and he reminds us that we may, bo- may go boldly you know, into God's presence instead of being paralyzed by shame.
trying to cover ourselves. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you so much for being our sacrifice, for being our high priest, for being our Sabbath. Lord, you're so good. We see very clearly, Lord, that we we need you, Lord. And may we not only need you, may we want you and long for you more than we want or long for any other thing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening, friends. God be with you this Christmas time. And remember, as always, to let God be true, but every man a liar.